is going on, Only Playbook fans? We are back for another episode. Week one is in the books. My God, sloppy monsoon rain, like just disgusting is the best way I can categorize it, at least for my teams and my fantasy teams and my players. It just seemed like it was disgusting all across the board. So I don't know if you guys felt any different, but we have so much to talk about. I'm Sweetheart, mm-hmm. I got you showed and shove it. How are you guys feeling post week one? You know, I'll tell you how I'm feeling. I'm feeling like I'm going through some breakups right now. You know, guys that I drafted, uh, I have to look at the waivers and, and let them go. It's a really sad day for me. And I'm like, you know, I, I believed in them and I don't think they will succeed. So I'm moving on. Um, so I'm recovering. Wow. Um, well, players going to play and I'm just <laughs> dropping them all like flies and I have no remorse for dropping them. I'm dropping them so bad that I'm already starting to use my tricky tricks up my sleeve. And this week I had the... <clears throat> First waiver pick, uh, because I drafted ninth and uh two other people already or three other people already picked up stuff uh like during the midweek. Um, so uh so I you know I could have had picked up Puka, right? I really wanted Puka, but what I told on the group was like, oh, looks like Puka's coming straight to my hands, you know, it's easy, great, great grab. You know, you guys fucked up using your waiver wire. So nobody put in a waiver wire pick for Puka and I just scooped him up at three o'clock. Wow. wow. That's wow. some reverse psychology, man. Damn. Yeah. Man. Well done. Well Coming done. in hot, baby. Coming in hot. Yeah. Those three that's... o'clock pit waiver, not waiver, but free agency pickups. Oh, they just hit it's different. Next. They I really, do. They really and... do. Go ahead. You know, it hits different. You're absolutely right. But I'm still like, I was in a situation where there were more players to pick up than I knew how to maneuver my mm-hmm. bench. So it was like, like I was up, I just told you guys a story. I was awake. So I was doing podcast stuff. And so I had, I had everything. I had like the pick of the litter. There were waiver claims in there, but there were guys that still weren't that I wanted. And I just did not have not the ability to draw spot. people. Like I was like, yeah. I don't know how to, like, I told you guys, I'm like to make spots on my roster. I dropped Deontay Johnson, who again, he's hurt, but that's typically a guy that's rostered in most fantasy leagues. Um, and then who did, who did I say I dropped in my, uh, in this? Oh, I did drop Jamison Williams. Um, obviously I dropped Aaron Rodgers, which paid off, you know, <laughs> sorry, Rodgers, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's been tough. And so Shashot, I was telling you and in the fantasy world, I was getting some slack from my other league saying like, oh, this is some, you know, stupid, trick or whatever but i just dropped my kicker because i need six bench spots to figure out who i'm gonna play who i'm not gonna play and i figure i'm just gonna pick up my kicker on sunday like before game time yeah absolutely and and this is when you gotta look at those transactions see what people who people drop and then get back on the waivers that are gonna be there for friday and pick those guys up that no one that people can't have on their team because you're in a you know five-man bench or four-man whatever and so it's a time to capitalize yeah, roster construction is important and early in the season it's just kind of like how is your team currently constructed, right? Like if you have a great team and you have nobody to drop, it doesn't matter that you have the number one waiver claim, you can't drop anybody, right? So you're just banking and then again like anybody that has 9, 10, 8 waiver claim if they've already had two players go down with injury, they don't care about, you know, maintaining that spot, so they're going to throw in as many claims as possible and that's kind of what my situation was in both leagues. I just threw in a waiver claim for pretty much everybody that I wanted to get. Um but again, So much to talk about fantasy football related. We want to dive into every single game, but we want to be as quick as we can. One big key fantasy football takeaway for each of us for each football game. So uh, if you guys don't have anything else, let's get through the rundown. Kicking it off Thursday night football, guys, Lions and Chiefs. Lions come away victorious 21-20 on the road. They cover the four-point spread under 53 caches. First game of the season, Shashot, kick us off. What was the biggest takeaway for you from this football game? 
I mean, t- biggest takeaway is just the the ability of the receivers to not catch any balls on the Chiefs end, right? Because th- this game would have been a whole different story if they caught like two of those passes. Um, so for me, you know, some people will look at Sky more as an easy drop and make room for like a tank, uh, you know, Dell or anybody else that's out there. But you got to remember, man, this man is the number one targeted or number one route run receiver and the number one snapped uh, receiver with the most snaps on a Patrick Mahomes-led team without his true number one target, which we don't know when he's going to be back. He may be back this week, but, dude, he's an old man. He, that could that that knee could keep bothering him all throughout the year. We don't know. So this is not a player that if you have space in certain leagues, like one of my leagues, I have six roster spots. One of my leagues, I have four roster spots. So four roster spot league, don't got no room. Six roster spot league, got room. I'm going to hold on to Sky more. And this is like a weird recommendation a lot of people don't like because they'll the majority of the people will just go on the sleeper app or whatever and look at the trending people and pick up the people at the top. But that's not what this is about. You always have to do th- something that's different than what the masses are doing because that is going to be the reason you stand out. And adding Sky Moore is highly recommended on my end just because the potential of that deep touchdown, the potential of that end around is just too high. Don't use that game as your solo reason for not having this man on your team i understand if he let you down you can drop him those personal reasons are different but as somebody that i did have, had no no uh, dog in the fight i picked him up kept him at him you know the the there is no limit there's no ceiling for a player like sky Moore. so it's just entertaining to keep on the bench to see what may happen show what stood out to you the most this game yeah the biggest uh thing the fancy player to go and pick up is sam laporta i think he had he saw a lot of um there's a lot of usage 58 snaps, which was second, uh, third, uh, 58 snaps, um, five targets, which was third, second to Josh Reynolds uh, and Amon Ray St. Brown. Uh, I think that he ha- he has the opportunity to be second in targets uh, with Jamison Williams out. So um, if you need a tight end filler, Sam Laporta is a good add. Yeah, spot on. I mean, I think we we came into this season personally expecting Laporta, in in my opinion, to fill in for Hawkinson because the offense didn't change at all, right? So if they're getting rid of that tight end, they can't reconstruct the offense completely to not use the tight end anymore, especially when Williams Williams keeps getting hurt, especially because what DJ Char- is DJ Chark still on their roster and hurt, uh, no. or did he go somewhere else? The Carolina Panthers. Okay, so yeah, so they so outside of Amonre St. Brown right now, like. Josh Reynolds, like that, that's who your banking is going to basically uh, take touches away from Laporta and with how they use the tight end, because they have two running backs that they love to run the football with Laporta is going to see the field. So uh, I, I'm with you. Absolutely. Personally, I disagree on Sky Moore. I just think I, I was really high on Sky Moore coming out of college and with all the opportunity he got last year and did nothing with, I was really disappointing, but like you, it's all just about upside. And if you have a bench spot, he's a guy that you could continue to wait on for me. It's pretty obvious who the guy is. You guys just kind of left me a layup. Jameer Gibbs, guys, nine total touches this game. So discouraging for fantasy owners when you draft him as your RB1, possibly. You draft him as a fantasy league winner, et cetera. But uh, nine touch in nine touches, the man had seven fantasy points in half point PPR, right? We talked about before this before the game, Dan Campbell said they're not gonna he's not gonna get a full workload immediately after he promised that he's gonna increase his workload. So he's already trending in the right direction. But let's talk about the numbers. Four and a half yards after contact in just nine touches, right? So for perspective, last year's league leader, Tony Pollard, averaged 3.7. So he would nearly break that by a full yard if you extrapolate that over the season. Uh, And the other thing, I think the craziest stat, nine touches, the dude forced six missed tackles on nine touches, right? So just, 
I mean, let's just extrapolate that over a game in a season. I mean, the dude probably could run for 2000 yards, right? That's not realistic. But what is realistic is we talk about the numbers. Let's talk about the eye testers. Every time he touched the ball, did that man not just look absolutely electric? If he wasn't so fast that, you know, he juked himself, he probably would have scored a touchdown. So to me, Jameer Gibbs stock is on the rise. I don't think that takes away from Montgomery. It's the same situation where I think both running backs can be productive. You can probably start both, but the upside of Gibbs and what he flashes on the football field, um, I think it all adds up. And I finally see why the Lions drafted him 12th and I I'm completely bought in there. Agreed. Um, la la last thing to add, um, it's a, there's a world where you can draft um, Robinson, Bijan Robinson, first round. You can draft Gibbs in the second round, and you can have Brees Hall in the third round. Imagine those people that have that roster construct right now, bro. I am just ruling thinking about that. And then and then you could even I, I don't you know what? Forget it. There, the world is just crazy right now. People that have that roster, please send us a snap, like a screenshot or something. If you hear this, if you are one of those lucky people, like that's simply amazing. I want to see how you uh, constructed the rest of your roster. Yeah, I mean that that would be extremely sexually good. I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, but if you went like hero RB where you or you went just all RBs, yeah, that's Heroes. I mean, especially with Brees Hall, right? Brees Hall with the uncertainty, I personally was bearish just because I just I like Dalvin Cook got signed. He's coming off an injury and two snaps in, he's got 109 rushing yards. So, I mean, he would have probably had more rushing yards than my entire roster combined. Uh, so that, that was Thursday night football lions chiefs, big win for the lions. First game on the board on Sunday, the Panthers were traveling to uh, Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Falcons win this game 24 to 10 with Desmond Ritter at the helm, cover the three and a half point spread under 40 and a half caches. Uh, show it. You take it off here. What was the biggest takeaway for you for fantasy? Yeah, the biggest takeaway, we just talked about B. John Robinson. How about Tyler Algier? You know, you got two touchdowns. I think that this is a guy that if you go out and you get, I think he's a great trade candidate, right? You go out and you sell high, you know, let Algier have his touchdowns and all the stuff at the beginning of the season gets people excited. Someone's going to be desperate. They they need, uh, you know, there is a world where you could have both of these running backs be starters on your teams, RB1, RB2. And so, you know, go out and trade, trade Algier, see if you can get some, uh, a receiver that can, or whatever you need on your team uh, to kind of fill that place. But I think that uh, Algier had a great day. Robinson had a great day. Uh, at some point, it's going to be Robinson and take advantage of that. Solid points, but you guys are living in this world of make running backs great again, and I am not about that life. Especially if my running back could potentially get bolstered by any person. I'm just, I just, I just hate that shit. It's one of my worst nightmares of all of fantasy football. So I just try to. Strictly, even if I have to reach, I'll go for a lower ranked wide receiver that has full control over the team's back uh, position. Um, but I get it. I get it. I get it. It's just some of these players are so electric that you just have to have them on your team. Um, so I agree with everything there. Um, it's I would not keep Algier on my team. He's he's getting shipped. If, if I pick him up, he's out of here. Um, so the next thing is, you know, that's one side of the field where things looked pretty on point from a rushing standpoint, but their passing game, um, I'm going, I'm going audible mode here. I was going to talk about the Panthers, but there's really not much going on there. So I'm going to stick with the uh, Falcons, but we're going to stick with the passing side. This is going to be a nightmare. This is going to be a nightmare. Get ready for it. This is not what I saw this coming a mile away. Drake London always gave me the icks every time just he comes up, he may do something later on in the year, but there are too many players. There's too much volume. You could even trade Drake London for like a, a Jahan, what's his name? Um, John, John Johnson. You could trade for one of those with some stuff added to it, but I'm, I'm losing my stock in the Falcons 
passing game. I'm getting rid of all of it. You can still make a case for Pitts here and there, and you could get rid of him for like a Laporta and something else, like an A.J. Dillon and a Laporta for a Pitts. Maybe somebody will do that. Maybe not right now, but they would have. Um, so just warning you right here, right now, Falcons passing game is going to be so uneven because how sold they are to this running game the running backs are going to dominate this team by far so if you want to take the flyer on jake uh on drake london be my guest but if you are looking for consistency in this passing offense god bless your soul you are in for a roller coaster ride yeah i mean what were we expecting here we went into the season pretty much understanding this drake london is dropped in our league drake london is dropped in my other league after one week a guy who was getting drafted in the fifth sixth round people were praising as a wide receiver one let's not let's not get it twisted that his talent is great but again like just simplistically thinking the person running this offense will die by running the football, Arthur Smith, right? So we're not making running backs great again. Arthur Smith refuses to acknowledge the fact that skill positions outside of the running back exist, right? Desmond Ritter had 24 passing yards on like eight of his eight for first eight completions went to three for, for three yards an attempt, right? So they don't care. They won this football game by two touchdowns, running it down your throat. Cordero Patterson was inactive. B. John Robinson didn't even get a full workload and they still dominated. Drake London had one target, I believe, and they still dominated. Drake London said he was happy after the game. Bullshit. You're not happy when you're not touching the football, but sure, I guess a win is a win. But again, this was not something that was not predictable. Like Desmond Ritter has not proved that he can throw the football. They're in an offense that wants to run the football. They ran it successfully with three running backs last year and drafted a running back with their first pick. And they're got one of the guys that ran it successfully was inactive this week, who also catches passes out of the backfield. Not to mention over 50% of Desmond Ritter's passes went to Bijan or Algier. So, so no, none of the pass catchers are going to be good. Why would you put yourself through that? Like mental hurdle there may be weeks when Pitts catches a touchdown. There are probably weeks where London goes five for 70 in a score, but are you going to try to guess and predict when that's going to be? No, it's stupid for you to do so. There's a reason after one week in both of my leagues, Drake London has been dropped. I mean, like the offense just does not make sense. I don't know what the balloons are about there. Shove it. Was that you? That was, that was sick. That was sick. Um, but yeah, so I, I agree with you. Uh, lastly, I mean, <laughs> I want to talk about the Panthers too, but there's not much to talk about. Miles Sanders, I think his stock drops a little bit. Just the usage is not great. He's hobbled a little bit. That offense, like who it like who's going to catch the ball? Are they going to move the ball enough? Is Miles Sanders even going to get any work on third down? I don't know. But what I really want to talk about is Bijan because he's the sexy toy. Obviously, we talked about it. Uh, Bijan had the touchdown. The touchdown was electric. Like to me, him and Gibbs went onto the field, and I immediately, within three touches of them playing football, I was like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like those two guys could be the top five best running backs in the NFL by the end of the season. They just have that talent. So to me, Bijan, six catches in his first game, a, a, a receiving touchdown in his first game, didn't even get you know half of the carries out of the backfield. So sky's the limit for this guy. Again, they are going to run the football. I think you can start Algier. I think you can start Bijan. Bijan and RB1, Algier, maybe even an RB2, but a pretty comfortable flex with how heavily they run the football. I am all in. Like I would start Bijan and Algier before I started Pitts, before I started London. Like I would start both of them. So yeah, Drake London and Pitts. Sorry guys, you guys are, I, I wouldn't be surprised after three weeks, Kyle Pitts is also a free agent in most leagues. Hold up. One guy we didn't talk about. Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst got the one touchdown pass uh, that Bryce Young That he threw, threw away. That was Bryce Young's first career touchdown someone's, pass. Someone's got to catch it. Someone's got to catch passes. Seven targets. I think Hayden Hurst deserves a consideration on your team if you're dealing with some tight end issues and you're like, crap, I don't Which have Which you are because everybody dealt with tight end issues in week mm -hmm. one. So absolutely.
Um, next game on the board, we have the Bengals and the Browns. Who saw this coming? Browns win 24 to three at home. It was a pick em, So they absolutely covered that under 46 and a half, uh, was the over under the under hits a lot. Um, show it. Let's start with you. Browns Bengals. What did you yeah. see? Man, it was a sloppy game. This rain. Burrow couldn't throw the ball. Deshaun Watson's going to throw the ball. Nobody in that field was doing well besides a guy named Nick Chubb. And I think that one thing to take away is just don't overreact. You know, obviously you have your Chase, uh, you have your Higgins, uh, maybe even Mixon, Burrow. You're gonna be, you guys are just gonna be fine. Uh, even I think Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson, although it wasn't great, he showed his ability to evade the pocket, run the ball, get some extra yardage, and threw some really good accurate throws at times. Uh, and with that compliment of Nick Chubb and uh, Deshaun Watson, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, I think Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, all, also going to be fine on that team. I wouldn't react if you have any of those uh, guys that I just mentioned. Yeah, I will definitely not react with Deshaun Watson. He's going to be a superstar. Um, the other side of the spectrum, the Bengals that played so bad. T. Higgins got zero points. Jamar Chase had six and some change. Don't worry about any of that stuff. If you can get these players, get them on your team now because they are not going to be cheaper than this for the rest of the season. I will guarantee you. They, they just paid the most money you could pay any human being in any sport, basically, to Joe Burrow and outside of soccer. And it just means they're going to be using them. They're going to they're going to rely on that arm to do a lot of their damage. Joe Mixon's getting old. They're going to use him a lot too, but it's coming from the passing game. The passing game is a bread and butter. That's why they went so far into the playoffs this uh, past couple of years. You got to buy low. This is the best time to buy low. Get T Higgins on your team. If you can put T Higgins as a wide receiver three on your team, God, dude, I don't know who's going to stop you at some point when T Higgins drops 28 points some of these weeks and 17 points some of these weeks. It's just, this is the time. This is how you create championship rosters. Week one is the most important week for waiver wire because this is when you start seeing what the true nature of the team is. We just understood what the Falcons game plan is. We just understood even the Texans have a good pass defense. Like we, we get a lot of these information this quick and people are going to be like, eh, it's too soon. It's too soon to see certain usage of certain players, but the scheme they're running, how the, how the players want to uh, address certain situations, how many, you know, how many touches certain players get. You got to listen to these conversations. Oh, this player is going to get limited this week, which means towards the end of the season, they're planning on not keeping them limited. Right. So you got to go after those players. So all that being said, Buy low on every single Bengals player you can think of. Even Irv Smith in this rainy-ass game got a hell of targets. I think four or five targets, caught a couple of them. It's only going to get better for the Bengals, and I would not be worried at all. Just buy low on all of them. Yeah, Hayden Hurst was their tight end last year, and he was very productive. So you would expect much of the same for Irv Smith. Uh, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on harping on the same thing. I agree. I mean, throw everything out the window from this game. I mean, people were trying to, you know, trade T. Higgins. Absolutely. I will take T. Higgins. Zero points week one. Yeah. How much lower are you going to buy him? I was offering T. Higgins and like, I was trying to get T. Higgins and Kelsey from a guy because Kelsey didn't play. And I was offering like Puka. Uh, my, my tight end, Darren Waller. And then I threw in Ramondre Stevenson as an, as a formidable running back. So I was like, okay, whatever. So I'm just throwing feelers out there for all these players that people are immediately disgusted by after week one. But that is exactly that. Like if you didn't watch this football game, you would think the Bengals suck. You would think the Browns are good this year. And you would want to trade. You would think Joe Burrow was a bust. T Higgins was a bust. Jamar Chase was a bust, but it was raining the entire football game. Joe Burrow couldn't hand, hold on to the football uh, and Deshaun Watson couldn't hold on to the football. So I am a little bit more concerned than you guys are with Deshaun Watson, even though I'm bullish on him. Like 
yes, the rain impacted some of his throws, but there were also throws that did still like remind me of what he was doing last year. So I'm really hoping more rain, less last year, Deshaun Watson, uh, but we will see. But if there's one thing that is without a question, it is Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is inevitable. Um, so that, I mean, that is kind of my takeaway from that football game. Let's take it over to Indianapolis where Anthony Richardson made his first start against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars win this game 31, 21 on the road, covered the three and a half point spread over 45 and a half caches. Shashot, Calvin Ridley comes back and plays football after two years or after a year removed. Uh, is he your takeaway? Or are you going to steer us somewhere different? I'm going to steer somewhere different. Cause I mentioned that like the first podcast of this year, I was like, I'm all in on on Calvin Ridley. Nothing really needs to be said. If you've been following this podcast since the origin of this podcast, you know how much I love Calvin Ridley. I had zero doubt about all that happening. But I do want to focus somewhere where a lot of people may not be focused and someone may be using him as a trade bait. It's time to buy low on Pittman. I'm just all here to make your team better by buying low, making you just save your wallet, your fantasy fab points. It's time to get Michael Pittman on your team. Why? Well, we have seen them run a similar style offense to the Falcon as the Falcons, but we are seeing heavy target. Um, the, the ball is getting targeted in the direction of Michael Pittman, whether it's to Michael Pittman or Michael Pittman's the first read. And then the next read gets the ball or they're looking at a screen pass and it gets messed up. And the next pass is directly look for Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman is not like Drake London here. where just ignored a zero uh, catches. He's getting targeted. We're watching him getting targeted in a run-first offense. Those receivers are typically going to do well because in a run-first offense with a run-first, or not a run-first quarterback, but basically a run-first quarterback, you're going to see heavily, heavily wide receiver one targeted numbers. Whether they do good or not, it's up to the receiver to decide, but the targets will be there, and we know Michael Pittman is good enough to get the targets. That He got 19.7 fantasy points. In a team where we did not think that was possible, but you know what? Look at the numbers. 11 targets, 8 receptions. In a bad team, you can get 11 targets with bad receivers. They might catch 4 of those, you know? But 11 targets, 8 receptions is not something you need to overlook. 97 yards and a touchdown. And you know what? He's going to get his touchdowns this year. They got to score in the air somehow. And if you're only looking at Michael Pittman or Michael Pittman's your first or second read, He's going to flourish. He's going to flourish. I know it's not a sexy pick. That's why he's on a lot of people's traded uh, waiver wires or um, trade blocks already. But I am one of those people that are like, hmm, look at the numbers. The numbers will lead you to the promised land. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I had Michael Pittman last year. I thought he was solid. Um, and I think this year with the targets, man, he's going to be he's gonna be good too. Um, sorry. So for me, I am a Deion Jackson owner and I am very, very sad, like just disappointed in myself <laughs> for believing that he could be something. Given all of the stats from last year, you know, I should have known better, but I didn't have any other choice. Uh, Deion Jackson's got to go. Zach Moss is coming in. If you have him on your team, I, I, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. I don't know what I'm waiting for, but I'm waiting. I might pick <laughs> him up after after these waivers are done Friday. He might be gone from my team, but uh, Deion Jackson's got to go off your team. Yeah, Zach Moss was injured. He is supposed to be their RB1. Uh, Deion Jackson, did he He got bruised up, right? He got banged up uh, in the first game as well. Uh, so I believe he has an injury designation as well. I know Evan Hall got hurt, but I think Deion Jackson also came away with some sort of injury designation. So they're all kind of hobbled a little bit, but I think the intention is Zach Moss is coming in to be the starter. He was very, very annoying even last year where, you know, we know what Zach Moss is, but for whatever reason, they continue to use him. Um, but for me, the biggest takeaway here, uh, let's talk about the Jaguars. Let's talk about, 
what I saw from Trevor Lawrence, a solid fantasy day. I think he had over 17 points. Uh, so middle of the pack in a week where quarterbacks didn't perform well. So no reason to, uh, I guess, dig too deep into the numbers themselves. But what I really liked about him was I really, really, really liked that he made a lot of big time throws. There were th throws to Calvin Ridley along the sidelines. I mean, and that touchdown to Zay Jones, where he just touched it over the defender. I mean, those were like elite level throws. And, and the other thing was, I did think the Colts pressure was getting to him very quickly. And I thought he was maneuvering the pocket so much more comfortable than like what we're used to seeing. I think that was the biggest difference is he just looks very, very comfortable. He did have an interception, but again, I'm sure having a stud number one receiver in Calvin Ridley on the field probably helps a lot with Lawrence. So uh, I think the future is bright there. The offense is clicking. I mean, ETN looked explosive. That touchdown run that he had, I think, uh, you know, that, that, Pushes down the Tank Bigsby uh, crew a little bit because Tank Bigsby did have, what, a drop that led to an interception. So not the best outing for the rookie. ETN still kind of holds the cards there. So I really, really was impressed on their offense. But uh, Anthony Richardson, Chauvet, you did not start him. But I think all of us are probably pretty encouraged. His first game, uh, good fantasy output, rushing the football. Clearly, it's apparent that they're going to do quarterback sneaks. The red zone is going to feature him as a runner. And Shoshot, hitting on Michael Pittman, I'm very, very impressed with how much better of a passer he looked his first game in the NFL against a pretty good Jacksonville D team uh, than what I was accustomed to seeing. Like a lot of the accuracy issues, some of his slant throws were so perfectly zipped in there. So uh, I was very impressed with that. Uh, again, a lot to like from the Jaguars and Richardson showing a ton of promise as a rookie. Taking it to a not-so-happy game, the Buccaneers and the Vikings played in Minnesota. The Bucs come away victorious. Baker and gang 20-17 to cover the four-point dog spread under 45 caches. Shashot, the Vikings, Bucks. what was your biggest takeaway? Um, I'm just numb to these losses, you know, so I'm not going to focus too much on all the what they should do better, what they should, you know, change. The defense improved, but... You know, it is what it is. They'll, they'll always find a way to just struggle somewhere. Uh, and we'll find out tomorrow how much improvement they've made. But my focus is on Mad Dog, Mad Dog Madison. You know, you guys know how much I like this guy. I, even when Dalvin Cook was on the team, you see when he got the opportunity, he was trying to hurdle people. He just made the most out of his opportunities. Uh, sometimes, you know, his average um, yards per carry wasn't so high, uh, but you could see the tenacity. Like it's one of those, one of those players, one of those players that you just get lower in the draft and you'll end up getting rewarded with the ADP because they're going to perform better. And it's looking like there really isn't a true backup here. And this was a game where the Vikings were kind of just struggling and this and that, but there will be games where the Vikings offense just takes control of the game. And we're going to be running the game a lot. And it looks like He's the number one uh, guy here with the backups being like Ty Chandler with little to no experience and just a bunch of bullshit, right? So it's just a bunch of bullshit and they haven't really made it a point to bring like a veteran presence. Miles Gaskin keeps getting dropped and put on the practice squad. So I think as of now, if you drafted Madison, you got him at great value and he's probably your RB2. If he's your RB3, you're going to have a great year. Um, so just focus on that. If, if you're worried about, you know, eh, is he the real deal? Is he the real? He may not be the real deal, but on a, in a bad game where he only got 11 attempts for 34 yards, he gave you over 10 points. So this is one of the bad days Madison's going to have. So just keep that in mind and just add them to your lineup every chance you get. Yeah. One quick thing I want to add on Madison. Yeah. I mean, out of everybody that was out of their backfield, he probably played the best. Uh, I don't know why this could be just like a midweek practice thing where maybe Madison gets rest or they need an extra running back. But immediately after the game, they 
they brought Gaskin back up to the active roster to the 53 man. I don't know if Chandler's dinged up. I don't know if there's something, I don't know if just in the pre in the practice, like during the week, they just have an extra running back on the roster. He could just be scratched and not, uh, not part of the roster when the game time. But I just thought that was something to note with Madison. Uh, Shobit, what did you see? I saw a lot of Godwin potential actually. So he led, uh, he led the team in snaps, 58 snaps, six targets. And, and here's, here's my thing about Godwin, right? I, I'm thinking that I was wrong about the Buccaneers. I think Baker Mayfield may actually be okay enough for that offense. And if that offense flourishes and does good this year, then Godwin could potentially be a guy that is worth starting from here on out. So I think that Godwin has sort of like a buy low target. If if, if you're, you know, if someone has him on team, they're not, they're not, you know, they don't think much about the Buccaneers. I think that actually he might be a guy that is a solid play moving forward. Um, but th- there's more, you, you still have to see more from the Buccaneers. You're not really sure on that, but um, something I'm looking into uh, in the upcoming weeks. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm kind of on the flip side with the whole Evans thing, right? I mean, we had that huge Evans uh, conversation. Evans catches a touchdown first week. He probably would have had two if he didn't drop that slant. So, uh, I mean, Mike Evans was primed for a top five wide receiver finish in week one. If he didn't make that drop in very limited targets, limited in like what six would have been six total catches, uh, in an offense that could not efficiently run the football at all with Rashad white. Uh, and you know, in a game where they were kind of in a reverse game script for the most part. I mean, they didn't necessarily need to be. It wasn't like they were down by a ton, but it did seem like they would shy away from the run every time Rashad White would only get like two yards because the offensive line couldn't block anybody. And so for me, I am, I'm with you in the fact that I am long-term looking at receivers. I did actually put out trades for Mike Evans because I'm actually on the Mike Evans hype. And the reason why I'm on the Mike Evans hype is I agree with you, Godwin and Evans, their roles have been like, have been, etched in stone since they become NFL receivers. Like, you know exactly who they are. And this was everything along those exact same lines. Godwin, six six targets, five for 83, all basically across the middle of the field, right? Has a hard time getting in the end zone because he's just not that type of receiver. Mike Evans, not as many targets, not very much middle of the field stuff, but what did he get? He got over the top passes, slant passes, heading into the end zone, et cetera. So Mike Evans is going to be the guy that if they're going to score passing touchdowns, more than likely, I'm going to bet my money every week that Mike Evans is going to be the touchdown scorer, especially if they continue to run the ball very ineffectively. So for me, I am buying low, not low. I mean, depending on how people feel about Godwin and Evans, they're not sexy names anymore. You can find sexier receivers that people can maybe gravitate towards based on the name. So if you can buy low for those guys, I'm with you. I am all in on the Bucks receivers because they have to throw the football somewhere. Moving right along, the Titans and the Saints played a weird, weird game where the Titans kicked five field goals. I mean, it's not weird when you're the Tennessee Titans. I guess that seems like a lot more of the norm for them. Uh, But the Saints win this ugly close game, 16 to 15 at home. Tennessee covers the three-point spread under 41 and a half. A lot of unders all week. Um, But Shashot, Titans, Saints, what did you see? Uh, for the first time in my life, I saw Derrick Henry be used as a, as a plebe, as a, as a dweeb and as a, <laughs> as a, as a sneeb, if that's even a word, he just, it just looked like a fullback. It looked like a fullback out there. They, they just, they didn't care. They, something changed. And, um, you know, there's, they have, I know, I know Strobe is going to talk a little bit about Tajay Spears, but it looks like they're kind of believing in a younger, faster back now. Um, so, you know, I think this is a good time week one. I know it's jumping early. It could have just be seeing what, the, what they had to offer because it was already a tough saints defense. Maybe they didn't want to wear out Henry too quick. Maybe they learned their lesson. I don't know. Um, uh, some people may say it's not time to panic, but as the, as the sneaky fantasy player, I am, it's time to get rid of Henry because his name still holds value. It's not, yes. it's not, he did bad. 
It's not like he did bad. He had 12.9 fantasy points, you know? Madison had 11 point something, and I'm over here, Raven, Adam, and I'm over here, uh, Derrick Henry's only getting 12.9, and I'm talking about get rid of him. But it's about where you draft him, and it's about what you can get for him. You can trade a Derrick Henry to a Titans fan who saw Jameer Gibbs split carries with freaking Montgomery, right? If you don't, if you're not invested in the fantasy football world, you you can you can convince people that the Bengals suck, and you can convince people that Jameer Gibbs isn't going to be all that. So this is the time to target those people, man. It's there's no there's no friends in fantasy football. You either win a championship or you don't make it to the playoffs. And I would rather make it to the playoffs than have a person that you barely even talk to be happy at you or whatever. I, I don't give a shit. You want to be mad at me? Be mad at me, bro. But be mad at me from the bottom of the the depth chart while I'm in the playoffs. So. No, no, no friendship here. Go get them. Go get your points. Go find these players that are just sitting there waiting to be had like Jameer Gibbs. And there's just the value is like in its low, in its lowest point it's ever going to be. And if you have a player like Derrick Henry who holds such a big, big place in people's brains, take advantage of that. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect segue. I mean, and, and first of all, you know, I love you guys, but I love fantasy football and I got to get that win. So I'm going to do whatever it can. Uh, and if that means trading you Derek Henry and screwing you over, yeah, I'll do that. At the end of the uh, day, the person that gets traded to has to hit the accept button, right? So there's no such thing as screw. Like, yeah, you're, that, if that's you're what I was gonna say. Accept, there's no such yeah. thing. There's no. Not on me. Send me the it's not on trades. me. I hit the accept <laughs> button. It's on me. You know. So exactly. Like, exactly. For sure. For sure. So um, yeah, I mean, let's talk about the backup, like Ty J Spears, right? So uh, 34 routes run of, uh, uh to 30 of Derek Henry. 20. Uh, sorry, 20 routes run to 10 for Derek Henry. He saw more snaps. If the if the um if the Titans are losing, then he's gonna be uh, in the field more often than Derrick Henry is. There's a new guy, uh, a running back that you need to look out for. If Derrick Henry's not the guy, then Ty J Spears is certainly a guy you need to go pick up. Um, and so yeah, go go pick up Ty J Spears is, is my my thing. And I want to add that they weren't even really losing. The score was 15 to 16, right? It, it was a close game the whole time. And Derrick Henry was second fiddle as far as, you know, uh, being on the field goes. So it's really, really intriguing to watch this scenario. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think if there's one guy that, you know, week one, week 17, week 10, like playoff game, random game, like if there's one guy that's been constant, it's Derrick Henry, right? And what's constant about Derrick Henry is his touches. Like he gets the football first down, he gets the football second down, sometimes third and long, they give him the football and he gets better as the game goes on. That's been his MO, you know, fourth quarters is usually when he makes his bread and butter with like going from a decent fantasy day to a next level fantasy day. And now he doesn't even get that same amount of touches to rev up that engine to continue to build on those carries, right? If Tajay Spears is taking over half of his snaps, then they automatically assume or they know that Derrick Henry has less tread on his tires. I mean, the whole offense is um, absolutely in shambles. Last thing I'll touch on about Titans, Saints, on the Saints side, um, big proponent and component and believer in Michael Thomas' resurgence, uh, big believer in Chris Olave taking the next step as the elite number one on that team. What is hindering me a little bit about this Michael Thomas thing is this Rashid Shahid thing. And I think we need to talk about it a little bit more because last year, Rashid Shahid, big deep threat, right? That's all he was. He wasn't, he wasn't doing much, but just taking the top off defenses and he was flashing here and there. He played a lot more this game than he typically does last year. And he ran a lot more routes than he typically does. He actually saw, I think one more target than Michael Thomas. So I, I think he's got that like next level explosive over the top speed. That is such a compliment to like an amazing route runner. And as fluid as a guy as Chris Olave, that my fear is naturally based on age and who he is like, 
Michael Thomas could be the third guy getting targets on this offense. That's already featured by Derek Carr. Um, you know, that we already were hesitant to be like, how much can he support a number one receiver, let alone a number three receiver now, arguably. So that's my only fear. I came into this super, like I want Michael Thomas in all my leagues, but Shahid did flash last year. And I just like, I almost like him as a talent, and I think the Saints probably will see that more and have to use him because he's so fast and electric. He gets open probably a lot quicker than Michael Thomas does. So that's my only reservation on the whole wide receiver scenario there. Let it, let's take it to the Pittsburgh Steelers where they were hosting the 49ers, an ugly, ugly game. 49ers went 30-7. to seven. They were only favored by one point. You look back on that, and what a weird-ass line, Vegas. Under 41.5 points. Shove it. Your Steelers. Kick us off. Man, that was bad for the Steelers. I mean, so much hype, but you know, we all saw the game, and uh, it just no one looked good. Um, no, we biggest, didn't. What, you didn't see the game? Oh yeah, the no. Vikings game was going on, but I watched the game, and I was very, very upset. Um, but I'll digress. Um, okay, so biggest thing for me, Deontay Johnson got hurt, right? So you automatically think like next guy in line, George Pickens, is going to going to be the guy that steps forward. I'm a little bit reserved on that. I'm not confident that that offense has shown anything to be. Uh, hey, George Pickens needs to be a must-start every week. I, I don't know. Because when Deontay Johnson didn't play, the guy that came up was Calvin Austin. They also got Allen Robinson on the team. Now, I would be very wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, they, he's there. He's their wide receiver three, right? Yeah. So um, with that being said, I think I need one more game to see George Pickens against the Cleveland Browns. Um, the Browns' defense looked pretty stellar against the They're Bears. good, man. They, they look good. Their defensive line is killer. So I think that... For me, it's not must-start George Pickens. I think it's monitor. Um, and take a look at Calvin Austin. You know, some guy, he's just monitor, check, see how he's doing in the next couple of weeks while Deontay Johnson's out because he might be the guy that steps up and takes Deontay Johnson's role. Yeah, Allen Robinson, real quick before I show you, Allen Robinson played the same amount of snaps as Pickens, 56, ran a route on 95.8% of plays, and 83.3% of those were from the slot. So big guy interior Allen Robinson. That's weird. Anyway, show. what do you got? <laughs> Yeah, abort abort mission, bro. Abort mission on this offense because Deontay Johnson, believe it or not, I know people don't talk about him that much. He's still the best player on this offense. And he's always he's been the focal point of this offense for three, four years for a reason because he's just open all the time. You know, his hands are a little bit of concern at times, but kind of improved on that. Then he decided to not get in the end zone. So a lot of things that you're he just doesn't let you just love him. He just makes you like him. And so that, for that reason, he dropped in a lot of draft picks. But in no shape or form am I saying, as much as I love Pickens, I only love him for one singular reason, and that's the deep threat ability. And you need a you need a quarterback to place the ball there. You can't you can't just be a great receiver and the ball be thrown out of bounds and then you try to catch it. But hey, my feet are out of bounds. You need you need to things have to connect, and things are not connecting right now. And now your best opening receiver is gone. And you who who are we dealing with here? We're dealing with. You know, we're dealing with Miles Boykin, Gunner Olszewski. Um, you know, just Allen Robinson resurges. Like, bro, abort mission. They're, you're going to be stacking the box against Najee Harris. You thought this conversation was about the wide receiver, but it's actually about Najee Harris. Everybody's going to get left open on this receiving core. You know, maybe players like Austin are going to find ways to get open, but we've seen gadget players like this come. We've seen gadget players like this go. Maybe we'll have a difference here, but in my opinion, it's just going to be, you know, six targets on a good day for Austin with three of them being caught for 27 yards. Maybe one gets broken free for 76, but you won't see that for another eight weeks. So I'm hoping I'm wrong, but that's just how these receivers are. And that means not enough, you know, you don't need to play quarter defense. You don't have to play dime defense. Just play nickel. 
play 4-3-3-4 and just stack the box. That's literally what everybody's going to do when they play the Steelers. Pressure pickings, force like erratic throws, and stop the run. And that's how you beat the Steelers. And 49ers just laid it out for the rest of the league to see. Yeah, flipping it over to the 49ers side on offense, Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver one, probably going to be their wide receiver one. I mean, in in targets, receiver, receiving yards, catches, all that, he was a wide receiver one last year as well. The whole Debo Samuel allure is just the fact that he's a Swiss Army knife, but the true wide receiver one is, in fact, by Brandon Ayuk. Let's not take away from the fact that Brock Purdy now is 6-0 and as a starter in that offense. Every single game, he's thrown two touchdown passes. Brandon Ayuk seems like an absolute lock for at least one of those, right? Uh, it, it's the same, like, Look at the Jimmy G was put into that offense, right? What was he doing? He always looks for the first three-step drop. Who's going to get open quickly? Because that's going to be his first read. Typically, that's IU because he runs better routes. Similarly to what Jimmy G did with the Raiders before Jacoby Myers got concussed. If you're doing a three-step drop, you're trusting Jacoby Myers as your number two receiver, not against PS2 to get open. That's why Jacoby Myers was force-fed as opposed to Adams. And I think based on the way this offense is run, that's embedded in Jimmy G's brain. Similar now, Brock Purdy's at the helm. And I think the guy that's going to get open more frequently, again, as as shown last year and this year, is Brandon Ayuk. Um, you know, with that stat line in week one, good luck trying to trade for him. But you have to hope that there's a quick Debo Samuel big bump game or CMC takes over one game and Ayuk just has a pedestrian game. But I would absolutely target Brandon Ayuk simply because Brock Purdy in that offense Sorry to say, guys, he's the real deal. He is the real deal. Mr. Irrelevant. I mean, some of the throws he makes, the decision-making, it's that offense. Jimmy G wins in that offense, but Jimmy G just won his game with the 40, with the Raiders. So I guess all Jimmy G does is win if he took that away from there as well. But to me, Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver one, I think this is a top 10 potential year for Brandon Ayuk as an overall receiver. Taking it to the next game on the board, Commanders and Cardinals. Commanders won the game 20-16, to 16, an ugly game. Arizona almost won this game. They almost basically forfeited their number one pick in the first week by winning this game, but luckily they did not. They came back down to earth. Uh, for me, I, I can kick us off here because it's not like this, this game, to me personally, was that exciting. Uh, but I will say... Hollywood Brown. We talked about it. Hollywood Brown, the only receiver there. Like they have to target him. There's there's no world where he doesn't see targets. That's kind of the name of his game. Similar to Deontay, gets open, runs great routes. Sus, you know, suspect hands which he fixed. But you have Rondell Moore. I think for me the biggest problem with Hollywood Brown after one week is they continue to throw Josh Dobbs out there. And I think when you're starting Josh Dobbs and then Zach Ertz becomes your most targeted player, like if that's not as visible of, oh, we don't care about winning the football game, we're just going to tank as I've ever seen. Like you you drafted a second round stud tight end that you continue to refuse to play over Ertz for whatever reason. I know Ertz is great. He's he's as reliable as been in the NFL for you know a decade almost. But again, you're starting Josh Dobbs as a journeyman. Your leading target getter is Zach Ertz. James Conner continues to run ineffectively. So for me, Hollywood Brown is in an offense where like, I just don't even think there's output to be had because I don't know how much they're going to try week in and week out. It's just, it's a weird, it's a weird just vibe to me with the Arizona Cardinals. I am bearish on Hollywood Brown. I'm just bearish on that team as a whole, obviously rightfully so, but in a world where I felt like you could still throw in Hollywood Brown in offenses just based on targets, I no longer feel that way. Shoot. What was your biggest takeaway here? Uh, my biggest takeaway is the the lack of taking away from this game. Like, there's players that are really valuable in this game that just didn't shine this game. And again, boom, buy low options. Uh, Terry McLaurin, I'm kind of tired of. We hyped him up for so many years, drafted him early so many years. Watch, nothing happened. Yeah, you can have a new quarterback, you know, this and that. People, people find ways to be great with bad quarterbacks. We've seen it happen. Terry McLaurin's had this opportunity. He's surpassed 1,000 yards, whatever. Like, 
not that many times. He gets close to like 9,800. But it's just you never see that next step where you're like one of the best. You just can't say it. You can't say this is one of the best receivers in football. He gets there, and then he has this Allen Robinson type of situation. And now with the toe injury, I can't, I can't, I can't go all in. So the rest of the receivers are Byron Pringle, Deami Brown, Curtis Samuel, Mitchell, Mitchell Tinsley, and Jameson Crafty. And then you have Jahan Dotson, who's actually proven a lot of things in low sample size. So I'm going after that guy, especially when Sam Howell's projected to have a great fantasy year, throwing the ball, you know, running the ball. It's just a dynamic quarterback that's just not a sexy pick, but he'll make plays. He's capable of making plays like Josh Allen can, just in a very poor man's attitude kind of way. Um, but that's exactly what Jahan Dotson needs. He'll find ways to get open. This will be a solid wide receiver three. Starting about week four, week five, you'll see him probably get dropped again next week. Um, they play Denver. I'm sure PS2 is going to be on him if for some reason, you know, uh, what's his name? Terry McLaurin's not a go or whatever happens. Rehearts his toe. He'll get covered. And that's just, I'm just sitting here just, just licking my chops because I want him to suck next week. That means he'll get dropped. People will freak out. I'll throw in some easy trades here and there and I'll have him on my team. So, Go after them. Find Dotson. They're going to they're gonna have to score. They're not one of the best teams. They're going to have to throw in a lot of these situations. They got to play the Cowboys twice. They got to play the Eagles twice. A lot of scoring there. Um, got to have them. Got to have them as a wide receiver three. Yeah. So you guys are a little bit bearish on that team. Uh, I am as well, but I am bullish on one guy, and that's uh, James Conner. Uh, I think that you saw, you know, 62 yards, 14 carries. Um, de- definitely, on, he's, I mean, he's the only running back that's going to be on the field. There's not going to be any sort of, uh, you know, some guy vulturing James Conner, right? Uh, unless there's any injuries or anything like that. I'm still rolling with James Conner as a starter on my team. I am not shying away from the fact that, you know, maybe he is touchdown dependent. He's not going to get you like 100 yards. You're really going to need that to be successful week in, week out. But that is a risk that I am willing to take. That's uh, And uh, if you have solid receivers and you've got James Conner as an RB2, I think you're going to be just fine. Keep rolling with James Conner is what I would say. Yeah, I, I agree with you. RB2, that's totally fine. He's got a solid floor because, like you said, he's going to touch the football as the running back position, and most other people are not on the team. Um, it's not going to be efficient. My fear is, again, he in the past, he was touchdown dependent, but like, are they going to get to the red zone? Like this, uh, I know they scored 16 points in the com- against the commanders, but again, when they had a chance to win the football game, it almost like they flipped that switch and they're like, wait, guys, we're not supposed to actually win this game because we're trying to tank because we're starting Josh Dobbs, who basically, you know, is a journeyman quarterback that no other team who's actually trying to compete would be starting. So that it, it's just the fear of at some point, this team just goes into oblivion and they even are like, you know what? There's no reason to play James Conner anymore. Let's just play this random rookie that we don't know. So I agree with you right now. The volume is Conner's best friend. Uh, my biggest thing here. Um, I mean, obviously we talked about it. Hollywood Brown was my biggest thing. So let's not talk about it anymore. Let's go to Baltimore where the Ravens played the Texas. Ravens won an ugly, ugly game, 25 to nine, covered the nine and a half point spread under 43 and a half. Shove it. What was your biggest takeaway? Dude, say flowers, man. Looking like the true uh, receiver that from that rookie class that's going to stand out above among all the other ones. I mean, 10 targets, it was like Zay Flowers, Zay Flowers uh, all over the field. And I think that's just going to continue on. Um, if you had him on your bench, you've got to definitely consider putting him as a starter week in, week out. The Texans defense, man, they allowed 25 points um, and they allowed a good amount of yards, 265, not that crazy. A lot of a lot of weird shit happened this game for the points to be had because of a lot of turnovers um, that were caused by them. They had one of the most uh, pressure rates in the league this year. Uh, towards the end of the year last year, they barely allowed any, um, uh, I think all, almost all the touchdowns were had either on the ground 
uh, and they didn't allow barely any receiving touchdowns because people just ran on them. And I was thinking more because they just suck, so you can just run on them. But their pass defense is really good. Their pass defense is actually really good. They're, they're doing a great job of holding on to the receivers in whatever way they can, keeping them tight. I don't know how much longer they're going to be able to do that because they do face a couple of good teams. But you got to remember, they play teams like Colts, uh, Jaguars. You know, you have Ridley, but I'm not, nobody's afraid of the Jaguars just yet. Uh, they play Pittsburgh, they play Atlanta, New Orleans, Carolina, uh, just Arizona, Jacksonville again, Denver, Jets. Nothing is like, oh my God, I'm going to get killed this week. So Texas defense, keep an eye out, man. When you have a high pressure rate and you're playing against a lot of not great receivers, you force turnovers, you get sacks. And that's what you need in fantasy football, especially in a league where yards don't matter. So keep an eye out. Texans defense is going to surprise a lot of people this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spot on with both of those. I love Zay Flowers. If you followed us for quite some time and you looked at our TikTok rankings for players pre-draft, Zay Flowers was my favorite rookie uh, receiver coming in this year. 10 targets, Shubit, you said compared to three for OBJ, compared to three for Rashad Bateman. So not only did you double, not only did you triple, you actually more than tripled their targets. No Andrews, obviously that is something that is an asterisk there. But let's talk about the Texans offense. They suck, but you know who produces in a disgusting offense in garbage time? Nico Collins. That's who Nico Collins has 11 targets, six catches, 80 yards. I just had one of the most disgusting thoughts in my brain that, you know, I can possibly remember from a fantasy football perspective. It might just be this over, over, overreaction after week one, but I have Garrett Wilson as my wide receiver one in my other league. I have a more confident mindset starting Nico Collins week in and week out moving forward. Then I do Garrett Wilson. Am I absolutely crazy to think that? No, absolutely not. That that's the, there's a world where that is, and that's that, that's this world that we're living in. It we're here. It's, it's it's possible. Nico Collins has had experience. We've seen him kind of grow, 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 and now he's the top guy. When you get 11 targets and you're a pretty good receiver, and you're going to be behind most of the games, and there's nobody else to compete with the targets, and you're you have a rookie quarterback that just solidifies more throwing in the fourth quarter. What more do you want? The Jets have a legit defense. They're not going to need to force feed nobody. You know, there will be times where Garrett Wilson's awesome play will make him so great. But Nico Collins doesn't have to do that. He's, he's not as skilled as Garrett Wilson is. But this is fantasy. Volume is key. And we're going to see 10 targets probably every single game. Man, it's just, I know I drafted Garrett Wilson pretty early, but you know, ESPN's Mike Clay taking him seventh overall in the first round. Like that's a guy that I very, very much feel for uh, after that Rodgers injury. But let's take it to the next game on the board. We have the Packers and the Bears. Packers win this game in Chicago, 38 to 20. Absolute annihilation. They were one and a half point dogs heading into this game, huh? Weird to think about that. Over 41 destroys. Shashok, uh, Packers, Bears. Does Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre have a third quarterback that's going to be a future Hall of Famer there? I'm not jumping the gun until he plays somebody that's not named the Bears. All right, let, let, let's, let's start with that. The Bears defense was terrible last year. The Bears defense is still bad. If you look at the players on this defense, I bet you can't name anybody. Can you guys got, name anybody? They, yeah, I mean, they signed two amazing players, but the problem is they signed two amazing players that play non-premium. They both play yeah. off-ball linebacker. Like, right. you paid Tremaine major money. Edwards. Yeah, Tremaine and, Edmonds and, and Terrell Edwards, Edwards. Or TJ Edwards, yeah. So, yeah. great players, but they're off-ball linebackers. Yeah, TJ Edwards is actually on my – he's my third linebacker in my IDP league, and he's guaranteed 10 points a game. Uh, but yeah, you know, there, there's players, there's Eddie Jackson, who's kind of in this weird limbo. And then I remember sending you guys a text 
week one last year, uh, saying, look at Jaquan Brisker. This guy's going to be something He's special. I don't know if you guys remember, uh, yeah. but, if, but if you search it on our text, we'll find it. But this guy is legit, all right? Too bad he plays safety, so he's not on ball. <laughs> Another non-premium either. position. So, so there's just no pressure, man. They can't they can't generate pressure. They're like in the bottom three or bottom four in generating pressure. That's that's all you need to know. You could have stacked cornerbacks, but if you can't generate pressure, an NFL quarterback is going to find somebody open. And that's what happened this game. They just couldn't do anything. And these no-name receivers start just making plays and defenses start, you know, and then you have a – and then you have uh, Lamar, uh, not Lamar, Justin Fields on the other end, who's erratic in his own way, just run the ball or throw crazy passes, and that causes turnovers. So it's just a, it's a situation where people benefited from certain things. I'm not. This is one of those games you just kind of crumple up and you go like this because you start focusing on this game and making your decisions of any player because of this game. Maybe not uh, Aaron Jones. Um, any other player, you start making decisions, you're gonna regret it, man. Nothing is gonna go this way. Be careful. This is early. I know we're being a lot like, you know, bullish as you as you people like to say these things. But uh we're I'm just not sold. I'm not sold on anything in this game. <laughs> I wanna I want a rematch of all of this next week with other players and we'll make uh, more sample size uh given decisions. You you finance people using yeah, bullish you find you people with your bullish and bears. <laughs> <laughs> um wow, okay. So you said list no one and don't overreact on anyone. Well, I am I am overreacting. And and I think that this is going to be important because Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Okay. Aaron Rodgers, if, if you have Aaron Rodgers, your only quarterback, you've got Kirk Cousins, you got Sam Howell, and then you got this guy, Jordan Howell, Jordan Love, who got three touchdowns, can run the ball in a Packers offense who has some good, you know, Reed, Dobbs, uh, Watson when he comes back, Luke Musgrave. I mean, there is a, a potential for this guy to be a decent enough quarterback for you to start on a week-in, week-out basis. So that's my point here. I think that Jordan Love could, if you are looking for a quarterback, Aaron Rodgers just got hurt, then going and getting Jordan Love, I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, I agree with you. A lot, a lot of, a lot of things to not overreact to. I think for me, again, as the person that's most bearish on Justin Fields, I wish he would have just made some more throws that would give me some hope that he's taken the next step. Didn't see much of that. I mean, we came into the season with the Packers defense, not expected to do well, but that bears offensive line is so bad that they made that Packers defense actually look really good. So there's fear that the bears are literally the same football team as last year. And they got DJ Moore. but great. He has no offensive line to protect. So DJ Moore doesn't have time to get open. So you're just going to see a lot more of the same stuff. So that is my biggest fear. My takeaway from this football game though, you guys know, I love this guy. I'm not overreacting personally because I don't know that he's going to take the you know starting job or anything. He played a lot of garbage time, uh, but they're the Bears. They're probably going to be in a lot of garbage time because they suck. Roshan Johnson, running back for the Chicago Bears, fourth round draft pick from Texas. Um, Khalil Herbert's the guy. Deontay Foreman is there. Roshan Johnson had seven targets. He's a fourth round rookie playing in his first game as third running back, and he had seven targets. Product of Justin Fields only throwing three of his 37 passes beyond 10 yards. That matters for the running back who is going to catch the dump off passes. So that is massive to me. Tied for the team in targets as a a third string running back behind DJ Moore and Cole Komet or tied with DJ Moore and Cole Komet. He played when they were down big, but again, like I mentioned, this is the bears. They're like, this is what we probably expect most of their games to go. Like they're going to be losing a lot. And I still think he has much more upside. Every time you get a rookie running back, like running backs, we talked about it. They're plug and play. If you don't have a cream of the crop guy, chances are he loses his job just because the rookie running back costs less. He has more upside. 
Uh, so there's much more that he can bring to the table. Cleo Herbert's been in the offense. I like him. I think he's a good running back. But to me, if you have an extra bench spot, if you're playing in a league that has six bench spots and you need a season-long stash that could pay dividends down the road, to me, it is Roshan Johnson of the Chicago Bears. Taking it to Denver, where the Broncos hosted the Vegas Raiders. The Vegas Raiders win 17-16, cover the three-point dog spread under 43 cashes. Chauvet, Raiders, Broncos. Broncos still look disgusting. What did you see? Yeah, Myers went off, man. It seemed like all the plays where you thought Devontae Adams were gonna, was going to be there, it was just Jacoby Myers. And first of all, Jacoby Myers is like a freaking – he looks huge, dude. I did not know Jacoby Myers was he looks that, like Devontae but... Adams. If he wore Devontae Adams' number, I would have been convinced that that was Devontae Adams. Right? Uh, but I think that you need to kind of temper your expectations with Jaco- uh, Jacoby Myers. I think the going forward, I think the Garoppolo with Devontae Adams' connection is going to be a lot more. And he's also dealing with a concussion – uh, so uh, Hunter Renfro may be the guy next week. So uh, I'm not convinced that Myers is a is a guy that, although you know he played out stellar uh, last week, I don't think he's you're gonna have repeat of that every week in week out. As an Adams owner, I certainly hope not. Shusho? Um, Jimmy Garoppolo. What more do you want me to say? This man doesn't throw the ball deep. Adams is used as a deep threat. That's where he excels. That's where you get your fantasy points. You don't get the Cooper Cup. You know, 15 targets. 13 catches, you get the eight catches on a good day, 12 targets and two touchdowns. That's what, that's what, that's what he does. That's what Adams is known for is those touchdowns. And I am a little terrified. I'm not going to lie, man. I'm a little worried as an Adams owner myself in my other league. I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking at things. I'm looking at places I could ship them. I'm, I'm, I'm worried. Garoppolo has never, ever been a gunslinger. He is a safe. Let me check this down or look at the, you know, 15 yards is the, farthest his vision goes on the field for whatever reason. Um, I hope that changes. I hope things happen when you know you have a tool like Adams around for my fantasy team's sake. But I was afraid of this. I Even when we did our mock draft, I, was, I explained this exact same reasoning. I was like, Myers is probably a good player to have because it's Garoppolo. Just look at history. Look at what he likes to do. It's, he fits that role perfectly. He is, he is the Brandon Ayuk in the situation. Um, so I do see a world where things happen. And uh, mainly because the Raiders, man, they're going to be in shootout with all these other teams in our division. That's just how it goes with the Chargers, the Raiders, and, you know, Patrick Mahomes is around. It's just they're going to have to throw the ball, and Devonta Adams is going to do it great. But that doesn't mean that there's no room for anywhere else to go on the field. And I think Myers will be able to get his, mainly because it's those two, and there's really nobody else that you can kind of, like, be so sure on. Um, I like Myers. I, I've always liked Myers. He's just been in weird offenses. Um, so I think it's time for him to shine. This injury, I don't know what that's going to do. So I'm not going in there and wasting my first waiver pick on player like Myers if he's available. I, I, there's still you drafted players for a reason. Uh, at this point in the season, you want to get game breakers, and I don't think Myers is a game breaker. I think he's just a safety net. If you need eight points one day and you want to shoot for the moon, you could you could go with you know Tutu Atwell or one of these rookies flying around, or you can go with Myers. And I think knowing that Garoppolo is the quarterback, uh, he's one of those safe picks that you know you can get like six points on a on a, on a given day. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think uh, obviously, lo- like long term, I'm not worried about Adams as much just because, again, Adams, 
Adams runs amazing routes. So I have no fear that if they put Adams where Jacoby Myers was all last game and he looked that way, he would get open probably much more than Jacoby Myers would. Uh, the talent level is insane. So I hope, like you said, that they realize that, hey, Myers is nice, but he's no Devontae Adams. So hopefully they can they can utilize Adams the way he deserves to get utilized. Definitely a cause for concern. Uh, flip side, I think if you drafted Javante Williams, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Owner should be happy with how much he played and how he looked, quite frankly. Snap count, 50 to 50, exactly what Samaj P. Ryan. So, uh, you know, it's not like he's getting all of the workload, but that wasn't the expectation. They signed P. Ryan with the hope that, you know, while Javante was recovering, P. Ryan could be the guy, but it's week one and they already split the touches. Some uh, Javante Williams looked good. 13 carries, 52 yards, four, four yards a carry. And he also saw six targets. Granted, it was four catches for five yards. But Russell Wilson, if he can't find those guys to deep bomb, like who's it going to be? Sutton, Mims, nobody stepped up. He's going to dump the ball off. He's going to find that third string tight end. So I think Javante, uh, again, where you drafted him, how much he fell because of the injury, similar to Brees Hall, maybe Brees Hall's on the next echelon there. I thought Javante looked nice. And I think there's a, uh, a lot to like if you drafted Javante Williams and took that risk on. All right, so next game on the board, we have the Eagles traveling to New England to take on the Patriots. Ugly game. I mean, Eagles win this football game 25-20, to 20, but that offense never seemed to be in sync. They still cover the three-and-a-half-point spread, over 44 caches. Chobit, to me, what was your biggest takeaway from this football game, fantasy-wise? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, script benefited the tight end Hunter Henry for the Patriots, and I, he, you know, uh, 58 passing plays. Uh, also found himself in the end zone. I think that you're going to see some regression for that. I don't think that's going to be how it is um, every week. So if you're, you know, you're, you're, if you go out and get Hunter Henry, just know you're going to get a touchdown dependent guy. Um, there was, you know, I think last season where he had like four or five touchdowns back to back to back. And, and um, you know, it's, it, it's take what you can get. It's going to be touchdown dependent. If you need a tight end, you go out and get him. but uh, know that that's what the play is here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, Hunter Henry has been a nice tight end for throughout his career. He seems to find the end zone. Uh, you know, this offense is weird where Jacoby Myers was a guy. He's gone. Kendrick Bourne seemed to step up this week, but it, it's like the receivers don't show that consistency. Juju with the knee. I think the one consistent person can be Hunter Henry, but like you said, it's not going to be because of the volume, right? So you are going to have to bank on the fact that he gets in the end zone. But with the shit show that the tight end position was week one, like if you are going to be tight end dependent uh, or touchdown dependent tight end only, like I don't hate that if your roster is constructed in a way where you have a pretty solid, con you know, consistent roster, because even the best guys did really poorly fit the tight end position. I know it's one week. I know we want, we don't want to overreact, but uh, let's talk about one of those guys because he was on my team, Dallas Goddard for the Eagles, one target, zero catches played 61 of the 66 total offensive snaps, but 31 of those were passing downs, 21 of those he was run blocking, and two of those he was pass blocking. So over almost half of the snaps he was actually run blocking, which is a cause for concern. 87.5% of routes run. It is baffling. I mean, I'm not so concerned that you, you automatically don't start him. He's one of the top best tight ends in the NFL, so he is still on your roster, but it is a very unfortunate situation that he faced in week one where you know there was no rhyme or reason why he absolutely laid that goose egg. Yeah. Should we uh, talk about Schultz points uh, just in case? It's about Kendrick Bourne, uh, Mr. Two touchdowns, six, six receptions, 64 yards. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you can. I, I just don't know where he was going with it because the notes say he should be a wide receiver one. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he's more of a flash guy. It's just an offense that just doesn't support a wide receiver one. So I don't think anybody can be the wide receiver one because that's not how their offense is run. They signed Ezekiel Elliott. They probably want to run the football with both Stevenson and Elliott more and put the ball in Mac Jones's hands less. So that's my only fear ever with a receiver on the Patriots when you have Mac Jones as your quarterback. Yeah, fair. 
Taking it to the next game, the Chargers hosted the Dolphins, maybe the best game of the, uh, of the week, 36-34. Dolphins win a shootout, covered the three-point dog spread, win the game outright, over 50 caches. Uh, I mean, so much fantasy promise in this football game. I don't think I reaped a single bit of benefit because I don't have any players on this on either of these teams, so it was very unfortunate for me. But Chovit, what was your biggest takeaway here? Dude, my biggest takeaway is if you are a Austin uh, Eckler owner, you, you better have Joshua Kelly as your backup handcuff. Uh, and Eckler is dealing with an injury as well. So I think that um, given that his stats, I mean, uh, it, it was it was it was amazing, like 95 yards, um, got into the end zone and it's what he uh, 91 yards. And it's what he did. You know, 16 carries, first of all, is already a potential like starting running back amount of carries uh, and 5.7 yards per carry. So if you have if you have Eckler, I sure hope you went and got Joshua Kelly. And if you did, um, certainly if Eckler's not playing, he's a, a definite start. Yeah, it seems like with Kellen Moore there, everybody talked about, oh, open up the offense, pass the ball more, and they ran the ball 32 times between Eckler and Kelly. They both ran it 16 times, both incredibly efficiently. 117 yards for Eckler and a touchdown. 91 for Kelly and a touchdown, right? You have to monitor the Eckler injury because if Eckler's out, Joshua Kelly's an RB1 on your team. You immediately start him every single week with that offense and how much they use their running back. So without a doubt, you better have stashed him. But I want to talk about... Tyreek Hill. I mean, how can you not talk about Tyreek Hill? This was an insane performance. 11 catches, 215 yards, two touchdowns. The wide receiver won the best fantasy football player this week. Um, Here's the thing with Tyreek Hill. These are games that we did see last year. These are games that we saw last year from Tua when they were playing really, really bad defenses. And then you have adjustments. So it'll all be interesting to see how much uh, consistency a player like Tyreek Hill can maintain. You love the 45 points, but you don't want to see that, you know, coincide with like a seven pointer, right? I think if Hill can still get nine plus points, that should be his floor. Like 10 points, honestly, should be his floor, but you don't want to see single digits from a guy that has this much massive upside that can win you weeks. And that is what we saw a little bit of back and forth last year, simply because one, Tua can stay healthy Two, when they were playing tougher defenses, the often the passing was not the passing was not as uh, open as it typically is. And three, you have another guy across from Tyreek Hill in Jalen Waddle that every so often you have games where Jalen Waddle goes off. And so just, uh, you know, the law of averages mean that there will be games that Waddle goes off, that Hill doesn't necessarily have these type of stats. You just hope he can stay consistent. But man, oh man, is he one of the most exciting football players I've ever seen. Uh, if you have him as your like on your fantasy team, like you are just so giddy every week when you turn on any Dolphins games. And I could not be more jealous, jealous and envious because I don't have them in either of my league. Rams, Seahawks, one of the most su surprising victories. The Rams win this on the road 30 to 13 in Seattle, cover the four and a half point dog spread under 44 caches. Uh, I mean, show it. What did you see in this football game? Man, um, so Cam Akers, man, the, what I don't know what the Rams, how, why they hate Cam Akers, but they hate them. They hate him. Kyron Williams led the Los Angeles uh, backfield. He was just, you know, in any sort of stat of being utilized in terms of utilization, passing down back, early down back. I mean, it was it was all Kyron Williams, even though Cam Akers started the game. So I think that moving forward, uh, Kyron Williams is a, a would, would have been a waiver ad uh, yesterday, and he is an intriguing, you know, star. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you can go in and say like I'm ready to start him. But certainly a guy that's on your bench, you're going to see if, if that utilization increases more than Cam Akers so that you can um, start him on your team. Yeah, I mean, 53 to 28 snaps 
favored Kyron Williams, 29 to three snaps in passing down situations. So it is all Kyron Williams when they're passing rushing situations, acres 20, the one, this, this, the stat lines for these running backs, this game was so weird. Cam acres, 22 carries for 29 rushing yards. Like the dude didn't well, average one, like he averaged a little over one yard a carry. That was absolutely atrocious. And so I, I'm not going to lie. I have Cam Akers. I picked up Kyron Williams, so I have them both. But I still see a world where it is going to eventually be Cam Akers' backfield. I personally think that he is the, the better running back. I think Kyron Williams is the better pass catcher for sure. Uh, but like you said, it's a weird love-hate relationship that they seem to have with Akers. Like, how do you only see the field for, you know, 35% of the game but you have 22 carries. Like it's just that the numbers don't necessarily add up for me. So it is a little weird. It's almost like the defense should know if Cam Akers is on the field, chances are he's carrying the football. So uh, the numbers are a little strange. I know it's a one week outlier. Uh, I I would be remiss to not real quickly talk about Puka. I mean, 15 targets in his first career game, looked like Cooper cup, played the Cooper cup role, played it beautifully. Uh, Number one waiver wire ad. Um, If Cooper cup, doesn't come back. He's at least out for four weeks. So, you know, you have Puka for four weeks. Uh, and if he plays the Cooper cup role, I don't care the defense. I don't care the matchups. Like I think you have to start him just based on the fact that he is the first look and read in almost every passing situation. Um, even if Cooper cup comes back, I could see a world where Puka is talented enough to be a wide receiver too. I just don't know how much they'll throw the football, but amazing, intriguing, you know, first game of his career and uh, the future looks bright for Puka Sunday night football Giants Cowboys one of the most disgusting football games this week 40 nothing the Cowboys on the road annihilate the Giants who look like they were you know the peewee Giants and not the New York Giants uh Dallas covers the three-point spread under 44 and a half caches uh I mean there's really to me not much fantasy value to talk about on the Giants side uh but if you have somebody on the Giants side otherwise is it somebody on the Cowboys show but who are you talking about yeah so I mean uh this is a the way I'm looking at this game is that, first of all, if you made it through Sunday Night Football and you watched that whole game without falling asleep, like kudos to you uh, after all of week one. And mm-hmm. uh, second of all, this Cowboys um, offense, I, I'm looking at this offense because the Jets defense just got avail- was available to me uh, in my fantasy team, in, in, in the uh, free agency. Wow. And the Jets play the Cowboys next week. So I'm looking at this team and I'm looking at the Cowboys defense and and should I start Jets defense? And and so I'm thinking like that defense is just the Cowboys defense is just so good that they're going to have opportunities for Dak Prescott to do well, to be on the be um, you know, have more time of possession that I think is not going to bode well for the Jets in a four-quarter game. I know we saw it with the Bills last week. But will they be able to do that every single week? I don't think so. And so I'm staying away from the Jets defense because I think Cowboys as a whole look really good, both on the offense and defense side. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think personally the Jets are for real. Uh, if there is a team that, you know, on offense anyways, I have hesitancy towards its Dak and the Cowboys because their defense pretty much won this football game. I think the reason why you could be more reluctant to the start to start the Jets defense this week is the Cowboys defense against Zach Wilson could create so many short fields, so many short fields that even if the Jets don't allow very many yards, if they're you know, taking the defense on from the red zone every time they get on the field. It's just a very disadvantageous spot to be in. So uh, I wrote Cowboys defense, man. I don't care the matchup. You absolutely start this defense. They are too talented. The pass rush is insane. And now they added Stefan Gilmore, who is a former all pro cornerback as their number two cornerback who had what the highest PFF coverage grade of the week for any cornerback, I believe in second in this entire game next to uh, their defensive lineman, uh, Doran's Armstrong. So this guy was is 32 years old. So 
I think their defense is for real. They have a pass rush. They have cornerbacks. There's really no weakness there to where I don't care who they're playing. Eagles start them. Uh, Mahomes, Chiefs, start them. Bengals, start them. 49ers, start them. Cowboys to defense to me must start. Last thing, Tony Pollard. Were you surprised? Tony Pollard is the real deal. They have no backup. This guy doesn't matter that Zeke's not there. He's still an efficient runner. He was insane if you drafted him. Congrats to you. Let's end the show. Show of it. Monday Night Football, another weird, disgusting game. Unfortunate circumstances for the Jets fans and Aaron Rodgers. They travel, or actually they're at home for their home opener. First game of the season against Buffalo. Monday Night Football, they win the game 22-16 to in overtime, but Aaron Rodgers goes down on the fourth play, tears his Achilles out for the season. Where's your head at with this team in this game? Yeah, dude, so, I mean, first of all, that game was... I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, anytime you go to overtime and then you have that punt return, uh, I mean, it is just like, you're like, what? Zach Wilson is leading this team to a potential victory? Like, is this is really happening? And Josh Allen is throwing like two or three picks all to the same guy? Like, what? Yeah. It, it, it was it was fun. It was wild. Uh, great defensive uh, performance by the Jets defense. Um, so let's, going back to fantasy football and, and what I like, Dalton Kincaid. I think that you gotta you have to be patient with Dalton Kincaid, and I think that they're you know he he's lining up what seems like as a wide receiver. He looks like a wide receiver. All the things that we've been talking about in preseason don't just go away just after one week. So um, you know we had there, there's a guy that dropped Dalton Kincaid, and he's in the waivers this week. So you know that's because of the roster issue. So you gotta if he's available to you, you gotta go pick him up. And if he's on your team, just be patient. I think you will reap the benefits if you just hold on to Dalton Kincaid. Uh, for a little bit longer. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I love Kincaid. I think why I like Kincaid even more is outside of Stefan Diggs, they struggle to find a number two pass catcher this week. And I think the problem with Josh Allen, and I, I put it in the tech in our text group during the game, is he doesn't have the patience to take what the defense gives him. Why is he continue to throw the ball in double coverage? Because three straight plays, he has to dump it off to James Cook and Dalton Kincaid. And he's like, God, this is annoying. Three, four yard gains. I don't have the patience for this. And you can see it in the way he plays football. Like there's all of his turnovers, all of the, none of those throws deep should have been thrown deep. Like none of those, right? Not one of those was in a situation where you're like, oh, Allen made a good play, good throw, you know, jump ball that his receiver didn't get. It was like double coverage, bad throw, just horrible. So for me, I think what I liked is that he has to eventually take what the defense gives him if the Bills offense is going to want to succeed, or they're going to have to run out, figure out how to run the football effectively, right? One of those two things. Now, what was happening was he was dumping the football off. Stefan Diggs got his, he's a stud, even with Sauce Gardner on him. He's an absolute stud. Um, James Cook catching a lot of dump offs, taking what the defense gives him. I like Cook's upside, but the other guy, Dalton Kincaid, what do you have? Four catches or something like that. But a lot of those were underneath, man. And so I do think that the more this season progresses, the more the defense is realize that Gabe Davis taking the top off the defense and scoring 50 yard touchdowns. We got to stop that because he's not an amazing receiver. It's just the fact that we're putting too much emphasis on Stefan Diggs and everything else that we leave this guy one-on-one. -on -one. Now, if they start playing too high, you have to get James Cook involved. You have to get Dalton Kincaid involved. And Josh Allen has to have that patience. Is he going to have that patience? I don't know. Is he going to continue to throw these interceptions? Maybe, uh, but he's going to learn to have to have that patience. And I agree with you though. The person that is going to benefit a lot is Dalton Kincaid. Um, my thing, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard not to talk about it. Garrett Wilson, your stock immediately drops. It, there's just, you know, no rhyme or reason. This guy was destined to take off. This guy was destined to be a wide receiver one, a top three finisher, arguably this year with Aaron Rodgers there. And now that he's gone, you have Zach Wilson. He had a good season last year. Uh, Wilson or Garrett Wilson did Zach Wilson did not Garrett Wilson had a great season. He won rookie of the year, but you expected that to be the next step. And in nine games with Zach Wilson as his quarterback, he had zero touchdown catches. So 
Granted, he already has one this week and this year with Zach Wilson. So that's Which already an off. Amazing the, catch. Oh, dude, that if that does not show you Garrett Wilson's talent level and just make yeah. you that much more frustrated at what could have been this season for him, I don't know what will, but it is incredibly frustrating. I think he goes from a absolute lock and loaded number one receiver to you're going to have to start him. He's probably going to be your wide receiver too. Maybe if you did the wide receiver back to back or, you, you know, at this point, I think his upside and his floor could be that of a flex or a wide receiver three. So it is unfortunate based on where you drafted him that he probably is not going to hit or surpass his ADP. You just have to hope he gets somewhere in that ballpark. So that is incredibly frustrating as somebody who owns Garrett Wilson. That is it. My God, the rundown, just doing one big takeaway. takes this long show of it. So much to talk about so much. We didn't even hit on any final words before we wrap up our first week of action. No, man, this was our first week, uh, first podcast of this week. And it's been fun. Many more to come, many more fantasy, uh, you know, analysis. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm also excited for Thursday night football too, where we see Kirky Kirk on prime time, uh, you know, so going against the Philadelphia Eagles of what could have been in the uh, NFL championship. So that should be fun. Yeah. No, no center defensive line for the Eagles is amazing. Our interior offensive line is in disarray already. Uh, It doesn't bode well for the Vikings. Uh, Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. It is going to be an incredibly amazing season. We have a lot of content we are going to put out for you. We've already put out articles for our first week. Uh, I will be writing my risers and followers article today, and that should post tomorrow on the medium. We will put the link in Twitter on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, TikTok, where we are primarily social media. Uh, So give us a follow. If you're watching or watching on YouTube, you can listen to us on any platform you get your podcast hit the like button hit the subscribe button it helps spread the word it means a lot to us again i am sweet car shashot had to dip out early because he is a doctor does too many busy things that is show we are the only playbook have a fantastic week too do not overreact to week. see you guys.